Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Srividya Sridharan. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the latest market dynamics impacting executives and their customers. Today, we're joined by Principal Analyst Lisa Gately to discuss generative AI in B2B marketing, how it's being used today, its areas of greatest potential, and the pitfalls marketers should look out for. Welcome, Lisa. Thanks, Jen. So Lisa, before we jump into generative AI and for B2B marketing and specifically in content, since I know that's your area of expertise, can we just level set a little bit? Because, you know, obviously AI is not net new to B2B marketing. So can you maybe provide like what's a baseline on the state of AI adoption and B2B marketing, especially as there's, you know, more machine learning based techniques going on today? Sure. You know, most B2B marketers have been using AI in a variety of activities and processes, but it's a great question because with the explosion of generative AI, a lot of people are starting to question, where are they using AI? So I would say as a level set, think of it in most marketing teams. When they are doing activities like targeting and personalization, like in advertising, media buying, content syndication, that's leveraging AI, um, as is marketing automation, tactic orchestration. Automated conversations, anytime you see chatbots, virtual assistants, um, and especially anything with audience insights, competitive intelligence, social media management, content recommendations, predictive scoring. Those are all good uses. And a lot of times it's an embedded capability into some MarTech, sometimes not. But that is why marketers are now starting to question and becoming a lot more aware of where is their AI. So clearly the Gen AI conversation in B2B marketing, you know, a lot of it has been centered around content and content creation as being kind of the first big opportunity. So what are, or to what degree are B2B organizations using Gen AI today, both in content and in those other areas that you mentioned where AI adoption has already been happening? Oh, well, this is, you know, really the opportunity here is everybody thinks that everyone is using generative AI. But a few months ago at our B2B Summit in North America, if you take a typical session and you ask the marketers there, which we did, most people will say they're at a stage of learning and exploring with generative AI. Um, now, some of my colleagues have worked on the state of AI and B2B marketing. AI, as we just said, it's really well entrenched that closer to 70% of marketers have some kind of AI that they're in use uh, with technologies. But I really would look at this opportunity with generative AI most organizations are learning, exploring, they're developing some pilot projects. About 20% or so told us they were doing pilot projects. Very few of them are, I would say, single digit number of organizations would say they're in wide adoption. And that's really consistent with what we're hearing in client conversations and even looking across at other industry studies. Um, our Forrester brand and communication survey is, yes, there's a lot of AI in use. Generative AI, we're still in the early stages with learning, exploring, getting a pilot together. So clearly there seems to be a little bit of a disconnect in the, you know, confidence and the enthusiasm with the reality of, of what folks are grappling with right now. For sure. And I think a lot of that is well-founded. There's so much astonishing potential that's there, but we've got a lot of those thorny issues, things that are unresolved, whether it's the copyright, intellectual property protection, um, a lot of angles about trust and transparency, a lot of concerns about we love the idea of personalization, but there's still a lot of concerns about privacy. 
and different responses in different parts of the world of what you're going to do with it. So what are some of the examples that you've seen today, Lisa, in terms of um, Gen AI being used in B2B marketing and specifically content? I'm excited for a lot of marketers because these tools are giving you opportunity to do more with what you are doing. Um, and that, that's cool in its own sense. When you think about how a lot of marketers can get more out of their event content, I'm just trying to think of high volume, repetitive activities, very centered on their customer, but it's very intensive for marketers. Let's say you put on a webinar or your conference or a podcast, how can you get some help with its you know, transcribing and summarizing that original content? All the things we do with landing pages and emails and social posts, and then related follow-up, or people call it derivative content, if it's blog posts, articles, newsletters, all of the social shares and the video clips, that really keeps marketers across the team busy in doing some of that. I also look at it as a big opportunity for brands. We know there's a lot of inconsistency because content is created everywhere in your organization. So I'm excited for some who get into this. They are able to rebrand, refresh things. Let's think of when you do a major acquisition um, or even in being able to flag things, no matter where it's created in the organization, you can see the potential that you're able to get a lift on some of the first level editing that's there based on your brand voice, your messaging, your company facts. If you can get a lot of that out of the way, or at least flagged, try to get some work there because we all see organizations have bottlenecks and their review approval cycles. So Lisa, you mentioned uh, earlier that uh, the Gen AI conversation has put a spotlight on other AI that may have already been, you know, well entrenched in B2B marketing organizations. Given this uh, uh, enthusiasm, given some of these examples that you mentioned, what do you think will be kind of the knock-on effect? Will, will B2B marketing organizations actually do more other AI outside of Gen AI? What's your take there? Yeah, I do. You know, I, I think we're enamored of some of the generative AI. Definitely the content use cases will be helpful, but it now makes sense. A lot of marketers will be looking across about how are you interpreting some of the signals? How are you predicting and using what to serve up next? That's a content use case example. But it also looks at you'll now have access to some of your data. Um, if you're asking questions of it in natural language, you'll also want to know from all of these other predictions, the things we've been doing, whether it's what's the right time for a social share, what are we doing in terms of media buying? How can we learn from this and create a better feedback loop so that no matter what type of whether generative AI or predictive machine learning AI, those kinds of uses are tied together so that you've got a fuller picture and you're making use of the insights available. And at some point, I think, you know, uh, organizations will probably stop thinking about them separately, right? I mean, it is all AI and one feeds into the other um, and vice versa. So I think um, we're, we're not quite there yet, but sounds like that that could be the direction that we're headed. That's true. You know, we're really careful with the different labels. Um, and you're right. I think eventually this will become its own, you know, its own area and people refer to it as AI. I love how you describe some of the benefits of getting a fuller picture of insights. It's not just efficiencies, right? Like some of the the benefits are obviously kind of getting more out of the content that you produce. So you're not, you know, sitting around with a bunch of lazy assets. It's really making those assets extend beyond. What are some of the other benefits that you're you're seeing uh, B2B marketers um, derive from from this tech? 
yeah, definitely, you know, getting more of what you have, but I see this as it's really a creative assistant or it is there to help you in your critical thinking. So we, we talked to a lot of marketers I interviewed earlier this year. They're seeing it as they step into it. It's a real advantage in drafting short form content. Um, there's some advantage there again, out of how can you get some use out of this, whether it's in your SEO, your social, any of these, even I'll call it narrower use cases but start to see and be able to measure what a difference it makes. I've talked to some marketers who are looking at the effect in their email, another high volume area where people look at this. And are you able to measure the AI generated versus human generated performance? So some organizations are, are getting into that. Um, but I would say just as importantly, when you look across other roles in marketing, they really wanna have the ideation, the research. If it's getting there faster in terms of let's say it's ideas as background for messaging. You were doing some research about your audience. It really helps you no matter your role in marketing. Yes, you would possibly come up with some ideas yourself, but it gets all the things out so that you get started faster. People also talk about it as not dealing with that black blank page syndrome that you're able to get to the draft and start to iterate. So it's a style where a lot of people, instead of having to create solo or from the blank page, you at least are then editing and iterating, which can produce sometimes better outcomes for teams. Faster time to market for the for the customer. I also hear a lot of excitement. I'll just say that people realize there's a lot of insight out there. When you think about the ways we interact with buyers and customers, we know that in the digital world, you can test and check or you can see the activity, whether on your website or social channels, but now you can get a better sight into what is happening in some of your live conversations. When some marketers are doing customer interviews for a case study, for example, the time to go create something from that or the time it takes from win-loss interviews to try and get that analysis out to the broader team, you really have a lot more that's available to summarize and go faster. And I think in our other research um, that we've talked about, we've talked about this as the multiplier effect, right? That force multiplier. And that's exactly what's happening in for marketers as well, that creative assistant that, you know, um, reducing time to insight um, so that you maintain that freshness of perspective and insight. Um, you, you started talking a little bit about trust, brand protection, copyright, all of the things that are scary for marketers when it comes to Gen AI. How concerned um, should marketing leaders be about you know, their teams uh, putting company, customer, brand information into um, Gen AI platforms. What what are some of the guidelines they should have in place? Yeah, a lot of the questions we hear from clients all the time of this is where a lot of companies are thinking about their AI policy or as a marketing leader, whatever stage your company is in, it's talking to your team about how you're going to be responsible about the use. That clearly some of the incidents we've seen in, in the industry earlier this year you don't want to risk having your sensitive, confidential company information being entered as a prompt or uploading confidential proprietary documents. So it's being really clear about what kinds of information is available to use. It's also being mindful of generative AI is really good at sounding confident, but giving you inaccurate information. We've talked about Forrester has been called this coherent nonsense. It really is making sure that you have humans reviewing this, that the importance of fact-checking um, and reviewing anything that's been created, particularly if it's going to be customer-facing. So 
it's also talking to the team about watching for bias and lack of representation in the outputs. So ultimately, you want to make sure as a marketing leader, you're talking to marketers that we, the humans, are responsible or accountable for all these decisions and actions, even though we use AI to assist us. Should we be concerned about the amount of content that's going to be created using generative AI? Like in terms of it's there's just going to be so much more content out there. And I believe we already kind of know that buyers don't think that a lot of content is really useful today from certain um, companies. So I, I don't know. How do we kind of connect these dots of a lot more things are going to be created likely, but are they truly useful for buyers and their buying process as an example? Yeah, this is on everybody's mind. It's no question. It's easier to create content quickly. That doesn't mean it's going to satisfy our audiences or our customers. So you're right. Everybody will attempt to verticalize or personalize or repackage this content. So we were just talking a moment ago about what an advantage it is to be able to do this. But just because you can doesn't mean it's going to be done. Um, and I was talking with someone recently about this is just like, you know, we've made it easier to take good photos, for instance. We've got better tools in our ca you know, camera and our phone, for example. It doesn't mean that every photo is great quality. So kind of that analogy for our content, you really do have to be more thoughtful about it. So I think of it in a couple ways about how you are looking out for the content. It's going to be out there. But if you are trying to look at some parts of your content lifecycle, parts of your process, how you're helping your team think about what does good look like just because you can produce this, it's also setting up where do we really want to spend our time um, and be proactive about that. So despite many of these concerns, uh, you know, in your research, you've also mentioned now is not the time to wait. You have to try, you have to experiment. So for those marketers who are starting out, who are trying to figure this out, where to use it, which use cases to apply it, what should they consider to, to make the most effective use of generative AI today? It really is all about action. I keep hearing this from a lot of the people we've interviewed and in some of the client discussions I have. It really is thinking about it, not just because it is this hot thing everyone's talking about, but you are familiar as a marketer. Where do you notice some business problems? Where are you seeing it could be repetitive tasks or activities that you want to do better? Um, it really is look for those pain points in your business and come up with a way. It may be a lot of organizations you're thinking about the efficiency or productivity angle in content, for example. Um, more broadly, are you trying to do things to improve experiences? Start building your thinking around that. Um, and back to, we were talking about use cases. We talk about that construct because it, it helps you. You know, the framing of whatever is happening in your organization, how you go about it in terms of your workflows, the capabilities that you choose, the team members who are involved, you're trying to think how you do this and you get people on board. Primarily, it's through some pilot projects. So if you can do something and test it out, whether it's a 30, 60, 90 day window, you're able to then think about how are you improving those things that you identified and you're measuring it. Also, you're also documenting what are your findings? What are the recommendations you have out of that? If it's a test, it might be that something else is a better use case or there are other capabilities to help you. Things are changing so fast right now. So I'd also encourage marketers of 
this is not the end as far as the tools or capabilities that you would find. We see and hear about things every week, um, but it's planning for where can you fit this into your workflows, particularly because we see in marketing so many of the existing MarTech we have, we're seeing new features coming out. So you may try some purpose-built tools. You may be trying some things based on what is in your MarTech stack. Um, and everyone is looking at some of the general productivity tools like Microsoft or Google, what may be coming. So Lisa, if marketing teams are testing and piloting, what from a people perspective, right? What are the skills or some of the necessary, I don't know, training that needs to happen to be able to do a pilot, right? I'm assuming that there's, um, you know, people got to get ramped on on this tech as well. Yeah, there is that. And I really, I'm feeling very positive that marketing is a great place to start. Um, you've got to have people who know the doing of the job involved in this, obviously. But you're right. It does require learning from prompt engineering to really the critical thinking about what are the actual tasks or activities that take advantage of these capabilities. How does it augment you? Um, how are you able to measure that it made a difference? Um, as we said, it's moving from, yes, there's efficiency, productivity, um, but are you starting to see how does this connect to your broader workflow? Are we able to do some things? When I talk to a lot of marketers, they notice something they haven't been able to get to. And so as a marketer, that's equally satisfying or important to notice. There's the case you're trying to prove in your pilot project, but almost always you're picking people who are passionate, detail-oriented, critical thinkers, but they're noticing what things did we not think to ask or not think that we could do. And finally, I would say you're getting the team ready that we're all constantly learning. It's going to be iterating because of the state of things. You've got to be able to document and share what are your findings? What were the prompts? What were the outputs? But then what are your recommendations that Maybe some of the initial use cases that you started with, your pilot project, it may lead you to something else that's equally or even more powerful. So be ready for that. And in that, you're looking for your team members to be flexible and adaptable. So Lisa, are you seeing that marketers are actually collaborating with some of the more technical teams, You know, whether they're IT teams, software teams, product teams? How are they collaborating with some of these other teams who also may have you know, some inherent AI or Gen AI skills already? Yeah, it's really powerful. When I've interviewed some of these marketers who are early adopters, yes, inevitably, they are having these conversations and they may come in with some ideas. There are purpose-built tools for certain parts of marketing, uh, but it's talking with IT, it's talking with legal. There are other parts of the organization who are thinking about this. Uh, depending on the organization's direction, it's been really helpful um, because definitely you don't go it alone. I, I think most of all, when I talk to a lot of marketers, they come to this realization of, you may have some ideas based on the work to do and some of the tools that you're aware of, but it will really help you make some connections to the rest of the organization. And ultimately, marketing isn't acting alone. So you've got to work out and reach with, reach some of those experts. We are in predictions season and we're brainstorming as teams. And, you know, we, we do like to make those big, bold calls on where things are going. So how would you characterize Gen AI for B2B marketing in the long term? What should we expect? What what are the things that 
you know, two years from now, three years from now, we should expect to see from this technology. Oh, I, I think that things are fast moving with even a few months out. It's a tough one, but I'll go to go on to say that people who are committing and taking some action, they're really building their team's skills and readiness for change. They're going to be better able to serve up content or use those customer insights so that you can engage with audiences the way that your audience prefers and when they need it. That's our dream that we really want to see. Are we better at using insights to plan and execute, whether it's our messaging, our content, our campaigns? Are we even using our resources wisely um, in terms of any of our marketing or sales activities? So you're going to get to that mass personalization at scale. We've been talking about it for years, but I think we'll make some steps in progress during the next couple of years. It may not be the way we expect, meaning if everyone has access to generative AI, back to Jen's point, we'll see a lot of content, but you may see some people investing in how do you do some primary research? How are you making better use of lived experience or some of the things that are provably human that makes the content or makes the interaction worthwhile from a customer's point of view? So interestingly, it's not so much the content creation as the opportunity, but the customer insights and the speed of insights and, you know, try to really um, solve for the problem that marketers have been facing for years on on their data issues. And it sounds like that is truly the opportunity ahead. Yes, that and that's it is really um, beyond. There is the content issue. It is all the things about the data, about when to serve this up, who is the best audience and how you are meeting their needs at that moment. So it's a lot of the things we, we talk about in assembling and orchestrating the best experience for them. Super exciting stuff, Lisa, as per usual. Can't wait to see what those predictions are that come out soon too on this topic. Um, but thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I love the topic and appreciate the opportunity. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, or drop us a note at podcast at Thanks for listening.